What's up, guys? It's your boy Jebeka here, coming out with coming at you with another episode of PD Chat, episode three. I'm joined once again by Briar Moss. Briar Moss, say hello. Oh, sorry. <laughs> say hello properly. Hello. Yeah. Properly. Yes. Perfect. Uh, today we're gonna do sort of a kind of a backwards episode. We don't really like talk about who we are. We just started spouting off things. Sounding like we're knowing things, so it's sort of like a get to know you episode, and um, that's the first half of the episode. The second half, we'll be talking about rotation, which is going to be happening in about let's see, Dominator drops in like what two weeks, about two weeks from now. Is that right? Well, on uh, Moto starting next Friday, I don't know when the official launch date, yeah, playing it next Friday, right? Around next Friday, so that's a about two weeks is about like. At the time of this recording, it's gonna be about two weeks. So that's when rotation happens. So we're gonna explain about what rotation is and like why we, what the goings on is about it. So first of all, for this kind of like intro esque episode, I kind of gave a questionnaire to Briar Moss and myself. So we're gonna answer just five simple questions about kind of who we are. I'm just gonna read them off right now. I'm gonna start answering. I'm gonna go first because Age of Four Beauty. I assume I'm older than you. How old are you anyway? I am old enough that I have to think about the answer to that question. I'm 27. Uh, Age of Her Beauty, of course. I'm 34. That was part A. <laughs> Age of Her Beauty. All right, let's go. So, question one is: How long have I? Been, how long have you been playing Magic? And do you have a noble accomplishments? For me, um, I've been playing Magic on and off since Tempest. Um, I remember my first card being like Curse of Scroll, and I thought this card was so cool because I was like a red. I think we all started as like red deck players, so I liked burning people. So Curse of Scroll is like I remember that being my first like, whoa, this is a crazy card sort of thing and i kept playing um i was in high school i think middle school high school and i played with like a group of friends and like once i hit college uh i didn't really play as much i think that was around like affinity starting or like original mirrored infinity and if you've ever played like standard back then it was like did you play then at the time no, my or yeah. kind of my. I, I can I'll answer. Do you want me to answer now? Or no, we'll go. Yeah, we'll do. Finish yours, I'll talk, and then I'll yeah, talk. but like, <laughs> it's it was um it was it was depressing. Like playing like affinity mirrors or just like playing decks that are like had like four oxidize in your deck and you still couldn't beat affinity. It was like terrible. So I actually quit partially because of that, partially because I couldn't like play with anybody. And then it started up again till around I would say like Zendikar. Uh, and by the time I like already finished college, I was living with the uh, old friend of mine, and he used to play Magic too. And he quit for a while, and then like one day he just like bought a bunch of packs of Zendikar, and I think like shards of Alara, the Alara Brock at the time. And they were just like on our kitchen table, and I'm like, I'm, like what the hell is this? He's like, we're doing this again. I'm like, oh. He lasted like another week, and I lasted until now. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that's how long I've been playing Magic for a pretty long time. Do I have any noble accomplishments? Um, uh, not really. I have a couple of, like SCG caches around here. I live in Florida, so kind of around the area. Um, I was on camera once actually. I was playing. Um, what do you used to do? Like, or they still do legacy stuff, but uh, for the two day, it was like day one they did standard and day two they did legacy. So I played in the day two legacy. I was playing burn. I started pretty well. I was like six and one, and I ended up playing this guy. Um, he actually won the standard open the day before. So he was on this like crazy heater. He was playing like Monty, Mono Blue on Omnitel, and I got killed on turn two on camera. It was pretty sad. <laughs> he dropped like I, I can't remember the sequence actually. He dropped like a turn zero leyline, you know, like Island Go, and then he went like 
I think it went like Island, Lotus Petal, Show and Tell, Omniscience. And he even had like Forceful Backup for anything I could do, which was nothing really. <laughs> I couldn't actually do anything. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. Uh, so question two, how long have you been playing Penny Dreadful and how did you find out about Penny Dreadful? I've actually been playing since season one, actually. I've started, it was like a Reddit post. Like a lot of people find these Reddit posts. Um, they used to do like uh, every like couple of months the Magic ECG Reddit post. And that's where I found it. I just kind of like picked it out. I was playing Modern a lot. But, I don't know, it's kind of expensive to play Modern. Not really to keep up with it, but sometimes you're just kind of, like, spending tickets to... If you're not, like, doing well in leagues, you're kind of just, like, losing money. So I figured I wanted, like, a cheap way to play. And I found out the, the Discord, and there I'm all here now. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and it my Penny Dribble accomplishments. So on PennyDribbleMention.com, they kind of have the entire, like, stat list here. and And they have, like, you know, just lifetime records of everything, so... For myself, I've played this. Is, these numbers are kind of weird. I played 228 decks, or registered at least 228 decks, which is like the most all time. I have um, five. This is and this is like league games and uh, tournament games. They're all kind of combined. So any game that's like recorded as like a stat is. But but I have 595 wins and um, 368 losses, which is like I think like third all time in like the record. Uh, I have eight tournament wins and forty-six tournament top eights, and uh, for the leagues, I've done seventeen five O's, which is I think it's like second, tied for second overall lifetime. So I played a lot. <laughs> I just like have played a lot, way too much. I think you don't even play league. I remember that, right? You don't even you barely have league stats, do you? I, I I basically when I'm tweaking, I don't find leagues very good for testing, and when I'm tweaking decks, I don't. I'd rather like get actual testing in a tournament rather than like play a deck, decide I need a f more card drawing, and then have to like go through the process of dropping and re-enrolling. So I'd rather just play quote unquote casually until the tournaments come up. Yeah, that's true. And then, like the tournaments, like they're they're different kind of things. Like they're more distant, I would say. Yeah, they're just more like I hope you're just good now, versus like leagues. Like you want, I always want to tweak things too, but then like you're kind of committed sometimes. But nonetheless, I've, I've liked to play League. So a lot of times back in, like, the middle seasons, like, two, three, whatever, uh, I wasn't able to play a lot of tournaments. So Leagues was, like, the only real way to compete for me. So I liked, I did that a lot. So now I play, I actually play tournaments more regularly now. All right, question four. What uh, what are your favorite, I guess, I said Penny decks. I meant, like, Penny Dreadful decks. But what are your favorite Penny Dreadful decks of, the, of like, just Lifetime? Uh, my favorite was uh, Hyper Genesis for Season 6. I think that was, like, I think my favorite like way of like building decks. I I talk about this deck. I talk about that deck all the time. <laughs> I even talked about it last season or last episode, I think. But I like the progression of like um, where I took the deck. The evolution of it was really fun for me. Just like finding new ways to break the meta while continually just playing the most broken things. I like really playing like combo decks mostly. Either really convoluted combo decks or really convoluted control decks. Somewhere along the line. Somewhere I'm just doing a big splashy thing, and that's like that's like my big thing. I'm a big like Johnny, I guess they kind of call it. And uh, the last question is, what makes you what makes you stay interested in Penny Dreadful? You know, for me, um, the diversity of decks is really fun. Just like finding new ways to like compete and do well against like other brews is really fun for me. I really like I like, like brewing in general, so and I like playing these obscure cards that no one else would play. And that's really the fun part of Penny Dreadful is that finding like ways to make really weird cards powerful that, that's a lot of fun to me and community is really important too i think a lot of people have been really super nice i like you know 
I talk to this guy, Brian Ross, all the time now, so now we're just starting a podcast, so. But everyone's in super... He's not one of the super nice guys. It's no, he's, he's not that... Topic. He's not nice. No, he's, he's all right. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, people... People in general are really nice, you know. Everyone's been really welcoming, inviting. It's a, it's a it's a good group of people, so I really like that. All right, so that was me and Brian Moss. You're up now. Go ahead, and start. So to to answer your question, I started playing um like at the tail end of Scourge, um because I had a friend that had played before that on and off, and I bought him uh a a box or I don't know like a fat pack of Scourge, I think for his uh birthday and that was like the start of me getting into it and then i was pretty into it um from there until like time spiral and then i went to uh, i think i went to college and like just or no it was like end of high school and i just kind of other stuff cropped up and i stopped doing it for a while and uh i came back actually after i graduated college um around the time uh um, Innistrad was coming out. The first Innistrad set was coming out because um, one of the friends I moved in with after college was heavily invested in it. Um, and I played it a bunch uh, for a couple of years um, until uh, I decided that um, I was really frustrated at how Wizards' uh, monetization efforts were like really, really effective. Like There were other games that I didn't feel bitter and angry about, um, and uh, but they were like less less good at getting me to give them money. And I'd, uh, I'd, I saw how much money I was giving towards magic related pursuits and was like, this is not th- this doesn't like leave me in control over my uh, my spending. So I took a break and then uh, but I still kept subscribed to the subreddit. And uh, just like you, I saw a um, a post and I was like, ah, excellent. Something I can do that like scratches the, the itch that um, magic scratches um, without uh, without bleeding money at every opportunity and uh that was um at the tail end of season two and i've uh been sticking around uh so that's that's how i came to uh play pd um i don't think i have any particular accomplishments um i looked over um the uh page um for my stats at uh pennydreadfulmagic.com which you know anyone that's listening to this and hasn't seen it is an amazing site that has all sorts of stats for um what who's doing what what brews are around what cards are being used and what style decks um and uh i mean i i have about a 65 percent win rate um if you look at the leaderboard i'm in like the top or the top like four on uh most of the tournaments i compete in um i have a bunch of top eights but i'm just you know your your local slightly spiky slightly johnny guy that uh wants to talk about magic so that's uh if you want to listen to me that'd be that'd be nice um for the other questions um and i guess that kind of follows the pd accomplishment questions um well no I, sorry i want to jump in real quick you don't feel to mention that you actually have i don't know if you actually know this it's right there but you literally have the most tournament wins and the most tournament top eights do you did you know that the wrong page i don't see oh uh, well you do okay no you do you have 18 wins and you have 80 top eights and that's like you have one more than ribbons actually ribbons and knights the second best he has a he has seventeen wins and like fifty three top eights, but you've been playing more, so you clearly have more top eights. But... So yeah, you, you can <laughs> if, uh, if that means anything to you. Um, other than that, I I, I like um, 
I like being uh, Johnny and I like being uh, a spike and uh, kind of to that um, to that end my my favorite decks are um, fiddly either combo or mid-range or control decks like I, I very seldom am on uh, like straight aggro but if there's like a bunch of different points where I have to juggle like my known information and the odds of me drawing a specific card and play around various cards like my opponent may or may not have and like th those kind of puzzles like decks that let me find the right line in those situations and get rewarded for it um are my favorite kind of decks uh and uh to the kind of the bulk of I think this episode is supposed to be about the fifth question, which is what makes me stay interested in uh, PD. So if you uh, suffered through the last episode about like how to evaluate cards and like what makes a deck good, um, uh, it, what makes a card good is like the rate you get for a specific effect in a given environment and how well that effect lines up against uh, like the other kind of things you're doing in the environment. And you can trade off various resources. You have like mana efficiency, tempo, life, uh, cards in hand to, um, or card advantage uh, to, to get to that point. And if you wanna hear more about that, check out the last episode. But um, PD is super interesting uh, because the rate uh, or the expected rate for a given effect um, and the relative power and value of a specific effect changes drastically every three months. Um, like more, way, way, way bigger deal than uh, standard um, than standard rotations. And on top of being like a drastic seismic change, it's really cheap to switch between decks. So you can make uh, in order to like accommodate uh, shifts in meta. It's really easy for you to shift your own deck building principles to uh, combat like either revealed meta preferences or um, just like decisions you've made about like what rates for various cards are appropriate in your deck. Um, so that's what's made me stick around because it's uh, an interesting dynamic problem and because the, um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with the format getting bigger, but because the um, format is relatively small with stuff like uh, standard or modern, like like everything is being metagamed all the time. And so it, you get more mileage in terms of being spiky by being able to evaluate and uh, a deck well. You don't, there's not a lot of benefit in being the first to identify, oh, Garrett's verdict is, uh, you know, above rate. I should play that card because that card will do well against the meta and like, like slowly grind advantage for me in a way that can win me the game. Like, like, you'll instead see that, oh, in the top eight, Garrett's Verdict is seeing a bunch of play. I should play that deck that plays Garrett's Verdict that's winning. Um, Penny Dreadful is unique um, in compare, like, I guess, limited with the other format where this kind of happens. But Penny Dreadful allows you to identify and optimize cards that are above rate on your own and gain immediate advantage for that, where it's possible to do that in modern, but it's like really hard because the the primary uh, indicator that like something is doing something fundamentally powerful is it starts winning tournaments and it's better to like identify a deck that's powerful by winning tournaments and then just like pilot that deck well than it is to be the one doing the identifying. That's that's why I'm still interested in PD. Yeah, it's funny. Gerard's verdict, by the way, being the card that like was it like discard 
Target player discards two cards and play. Yeah, it's just the WB throws yeah. target player discard. It, it's one of it's the card that popped into my mind because uh, I, I I probably like many others have uh, started following like what's pinging around one cent on uh on Scryfall and Gerard's verdict is is uh, one of those interesting cards. Um, speaking of which, while we're talking about rotation, I'm sure most people are here are familiar with it, but um for those that aren't um. Rotation happens in about a week and a half from the time we're recording this. Uh, it should happen, I believe, uh, like with the the morning of the twenty seventh is is when it actually takes place. And on rotation, um, we have a, a bot that's been scanned that'll have scanned the prices for the week prior to that. And uh, for every hour that a card is at a penny doing the rotation time period, it gets a hit. And cards that have more than 50% uh, hits doing the week-long rotation period will become legal and stay legal for the next three months. So that's that's the mechanics of how we determine what's legal or not. And it has the beneficial ramifications of making the format really interesting and fun and cheap, which is what I was just uh, espousing was amazing about the format PD. Yeah, and like these, these like penny cards, you would think they're like, Especially on like oh penny cards that's like you know those are draft draft trash yes a lot of it is like draft trash but like like I said like even even this season we've had things like um, like Rufellos. yeah Rufellos, smokestack like three different zombie lords that's like when you put like those kind of things together it just makes a deck it's like even like, yeah was, uh, was like a standard staple at the time cursed scroll was a staple yeah like cursed scroll actually sees like no play this season. Um, it's it's been getting more play in red decks. I think they've been like adapting a little more to like um I lost to a curse scroll today, so but then I beat that same curse scroll, so yes. I'm back. <laughs> um No, like and even in the seasons past we've had like things like Necropotence, Lion's Desire, Dark Ritual, Hypergenesis, I mentioned that earlier. There's like been like crazy amounts of cards, so like the power level is definitely there. Which is what I like about Thank Travel too. There's like there's a power level when you can find it. And some comes cards are just like, like I said, we're fellows. They just kind of make themselves. They make their own decks. Oh, I'll play a bunch of forests and I'll play a bunch of like big green idiots. Here's my Rafellos deck. But uh, some of them, like Briar Moss's deck, take a lot of like finesse and sort of like careful love. <laughs> so, would you say that? Yeah. So, this is kind of like, so every like three months, like I said, the, the rotation happens at the event of a new standard set, which is Dominaria for this one. So, it's kind of like Penny Driffle's Christmas. It's like a big, like, there's a big lead up, and if you're on the Discord, there, I can probably just put a Discord link in the show notes here. But there's a big like a uh, there's a big channel. Everyone kind of talks about cards they're going through, and you kind of like get a sort of sneak preview through a uh, Scryfall. Uh, you could look at cards that are that are a penny and um, are not in the format. Have you ever looked at a couple of them? I haven't, I haven't really looked lately, but have you looked at a couple lately? I've been looking for the past three weeks, but it's definitely like premature to to start speculating um, on like what exactly is going to be legal. Because um, especially like there was a bunch of stuff that was legal last week. Like the amount of uh, when when you search Scryfall, the the search thing is like minus FPD uh, tick equals 0.01. Um, you that gives you like a raw that gives you 
every card that would potentially come in if like rotation is like right now except sometimes scryfall's number is like a little off from the official bot because i think scryfall accounts for like promo versions and stuff differently than our official bot does but anyway um like the we lost or not lost because we never had them but like we went from having like all the a25 interesting cards and we lost like 50 of them as soon as a25 draft ends so i was like oh yeah we're gonna get arcane denial nope arcane denial is back to being like a nickel now yeah i saw that with dark ritual too but actually Funny that said, though, our Chromos Vengeance is going to be, might be legal. That'd be cool. I still feel like I'll, I'll start speculating like Friday or Saturday of, uh, of this coming week. I, I feel like it, in the, this, I, I just, I, I just don't want to get hurt. You know, you start <laughs> dreaming about some, some card coming in and then it gets bought out and you're all sad. Oh, yeah. So, so are you, are you the type of person that like hangs out in the channel and just kind of like, like waits for every hour the update and everything. A hundred percent. I think that's like I honestly um like I enjoy Dominaria spoilers and Dominaria looks like it's gonna be an amazing set, but I am like a hundred percent more hyped for PD rotation than I am for Dominaria release. Yeah, I like I like the rotations, but like to me and it's gonna be like big, like I'm on like a Debbie Downer, but I really just want it to happen all at once sometimes. I, I kinda just want to hear about it. Like a no spoiler sort of thing. It, it's fine i love the period of like especially um post like um monday a uh, monday morning like after you've gotten like your first the first batch of like cards that always make it in and then you like can start it's it's hard when, without scryfall it's hard to like figure out the shape of the format um so like you know that like oh most stuff is in but it's like it's hard to really get your head around what's in the format but then you get to focus on the like thousand odd cards that have some hits and uh but don't have like enough hits and you just you start like rooting for cards and seeing like oh no you can make it you know gilded lotus or whatever like there, there are cards that like you didn't expect to make it in and they have like 40 hits but they're now at two cents and you're like i i find that part of it really fun like yeah. I, I don't know it, it's not it doesn't make a lot of sense it's like rooting for sports teams but you start speculating and i i, I enjoy that very very much i kind of like that now to root for sports teams it's like let's go underdogs let's do it you can go up there but uh yeah there there is a page actually on paint painting slash rotation where the uh our, our development team has a really good job of kind of tracking prices and things like that so uh you're you're not really sure how many hits some cards get but basically when a card does reach it it'll say like yes this is legal or like if there's like a card that's like mathematically out of the competition or rotation, or whatever, they'll say it's like not legal. So I think I like that aspect of it. So that that's a really cool feature of the website. If you ever want to check that out, I'll be yeah. I'll put a link. An amazing shout out. Our, our development team is like amazing, and I don't think the format could exist in the way it does without them. Um, uh, they, you know, also like them and the fact that they've gotten Scryfall to like work nicely at, with um with our legality list just make it a million times easier. So um, I mean I, that's uh, Silasari Baker. I think um Jay Gabriel is also doing some work. Um, but it's there. We really appreciate all the work they do to to make the format uh just easier for everyone to brew and to just like understand and bring new people in. And also like they, uh, they also uh, coordinate with our sponsors and make it easy for, um, for the prize, the prize support that gets uh, sponsored by our wonderful sponsors, which are currently uh card hoarder and um, 
uh, MTGO traders. MTGO traders for the leagues. MTGO traders for the leagues. Card holders for the tournaments. Thank you guys so much. And yes, thank you the development team. They've been super awesome and just like kind of holding us up. So, so what are like fun things you like about rotation? What's what else is good for you? Like, uh, how do you how do you go about? Like you said, you kind of touched on it a little bit. How do you go about sort of building a new deck and the new horizon there? I think I mean we kind of talked about this last time, but it's like do you you start do you kind of start early or do you kind of just like I don't really start too. I mean, I I I start. I definitely start like uh, when I was talking about rooting about like sports teams. I definitely like daydream about like what decks the um the the cards that are like on the bubble of like not having enough hits like come monday morning i'm like oh if this makes it in i can build this or um it's hard until it's uploaded into scryfall it's hard to find the like powerful cards that like made it in on mass if that makes sense like if a card gets 100 percent hits but you didn't like if you already had it on your radar you might be aware of it but like i think like cruel like uh not last season because last season it was on it was out and the season or this season was out but like there's been times when like cruel ultimatum has been on the bubble and there's been times when it just like was in and you wouldn't necessarily know unless you were like already looking for it um once a season starts i find um looking i look through just like all the rares and i guess the mythics in that too um i also uh tend to just in general i find a way to find more powerful cards is to uh just sort by um edh rec because that uh you miss some cards system that um are pretty good but um in general like uh what's it called um accumulated knowledge like obviously doesn't show up uh under edh rec because uh for people that don't have the the card memorized accumulated knowledge is um a one U instant speed, draw a card, um, and then I'm not sure what the exact wording, but it's essentially you draw a card, and then for each copy of accumulated knowledge in all graveyards, you draw an additional card. So, like, that would be a powerful card that you wouldn't necessarily know using that search feature, but that's a, um, a uh, an interesting card that I don't know where it is, but I know while the A25 drafts were going on, that was a penny, and that would have been, or that would or will be cool if it comes in. But uh, so search for rares, search by EDH rec, um, and me uh, out in Discord. People like the wisdom of the crowds will help you sort out like what the most powerful thing is. Like I wouldn't necessarily have any like string or search text that would necessarily tell me that like if fact or fiction is going to come back like I, I don't I just don't know and it's not something that's going to obviously show up but normally if fact or fiction is going to come back someone's going to like mention it I'll be like oh fact or fiction's back that's great or like um I, I in addition I have a um a list uh that I run post um I just submit it to the the gathering uh, website is the easiest way for me to do it, um, which is a list of all the legal hate cards or not like all the legal hate cards, like all the hate cards, period. And then whichever one gathering kicks out are illegal. So I just use that as my like, oh, yes, you know, these these are the hate cards I can run this season. So that's like uh, I know when I was looking earlier, it looks like we might get both flash fires and uh, spreading seas. So, you know, watch out. Spreading seas. 
spreading seas is a penny? What the heck? Not spreading seas, boiling seas. Oh, okay. Boiling seas. So, flash fires and, and spreading seas are uh, the ones for islands and ones for forests. They're both uh, three R sorceries, which is destroy all islands or destroy all uh, planes, which are clearly like fair and balanced magic cards that like fully fit within the modern design paradigm. I mean, yeah, forming to kill everything. That's That was... That's that was a stable for the longest time. I mean, like, oh, it's four mana kill everything. It's four mana kill uh, everything. I like one sided Armageddon. It's, it's yeah. totally fair. It is fair. Those are very fair cards. Um, yeah, the piggyback on sort of that conversation about searching for things. I actually, what is okay? First of all, what is EDA track? I actually don't know what that is. Uh, so EDA track is um. It, what it is, it, I, I, I'm not sure exactly like what the what mechanic mechanistically it does, but essentially it's some way of like helping EDH players uh, find like staples. I think it looks through like uh, some EDH database and like trolls it for like what the most common cards is. So it's gonna be like biased towards your um, higher mana cost splashy cards that are like good or and or fun in EDH. But um, the primary thing is it's like easier. It, it, it those are the cards that like are interesting and you want to think about like and it also um if you don't have time to look through like all 10,000 cards it's always going to like put the draft shaft like close to the bottom so it it doesn't save you like tons of time but like it puts like you know your wood elementals and your giant cockroaches like down at the bottom where they belong and like the first cards are going to be your powerful ramp your powerful like splashy cards um also like all the fixing shows up at the top because everyone runs fixing which is kind of exactly where you want so i find that like it's not the end all be all and you might miss some cards but it's a good way of looking without like looking through all ten thousand cards oh i see i i prefer the looking at ten thousand cards part. i don't know why but like i just like browsing like i i don't i hear some people have like a billion tabs open and i'm like oh jeez that's like me too. Browsing. I just uh, like if you're browsing by uh it just gets annoying. Um you don't you can only look through so many like grizzly bear equivalents. Like if you browse like I'll browse through like every land or um like there are certain strings I like looking for. So like I, I look at all the land, I look at everything that says add mana, I look at everything that says at the beginning of your upkeep, but um I can only look at like so many grizzly bear variants before my, like my eyes glaze over and uh sorting by eda trek means that i if i only look at like the first five you know two or three thousand cards i never see the uh the grizzly bear equivalents now maybe there's a grizzly bear equivalent that's like amazing and i should be running in all my decks and i just don't know about it because it's listed on like it's card number nine thousand via eda trek but that's how um or or the aforementioned like accumulated knowledge like i might not see that if i didn't wasn't like already aware of for looking at because accumulated knowledge is like only good in multiples and like obviously wouldn't be good in edh but in general it's um it's useful for uh streamlining the viewing process to to getting you to like the more powerful splashy cards i see that makes sense all right i'll have to try that sometime um but yeah, like like you, like I said, I look at I look looking at lands. I think lands are like obviously the foundation of any good mana base is looking at your lands. So you have to figure out how you're going to cast your spells. Like, so not sometimes not all dual lands are legal. Like for example, I actually didn't realize. This season is yeah. Well, they have more dual lands, but like I mean, like I would say like gain lands, like lands that like gain you life. For some reason, I didn't know that like Tracocos is legal till halfway through the season. <laughs> now playing with just guild gates, I was like, oh wait, I can just gain a life, get instant value out of it. So. Like that. I went on a rant at some point that like 
I, no one should ever, unless you're running like the 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 vine the vine from uh, Return to Ravnica. No one should ever really be running guild gates when the on colored tri land is legal. Like even if you're um, two colors, just like either from the intimidation factor or like the ability to splash or like it just. It, I, I don't see why anyone would run the guild gates when the trilands are legal, because the trilands only give you more options, and they, there's like fundamentally no upside to the gate subtype because none of the cards that have it are, or none of the cards that care about it are competitively relevant. Well, I mean, for me, I, I can I'll totally defend guild gates. I do this all the time. So, like for me, it's like, what do you on MCGO when you have like three colors? There's a drop, like you click a land, and you have to click one of the three options. And, like, I'll, like, misclick. And, like, sometimes, like, every click matters. It takes, like, a second to click. But sometimes those clicks can, like, really cost you games. I've seen games come down to the wire. And I don't have to, like, go through three options. I just want, like, one or two options. So, like, if you have just, like, a black-white land and your deck's full of just black-white lands, then you know that the first option is white and the second option is black. You don't have to, like, go through it. With the tri-land, they'll mix it up all the time. So, not, like, every time you do it, but, like, maybe, like, a Nomad Outpost is, like, black white red or something like that well just like a black like a black white duel is like black white don't, don't quote me on that i actually don't really don't know but <laughs> it is always different they'll mix up no matter what is, is mardu colors right oh. but like but, uh... you, you know what i mean it's like it's, it's always different so you have to like go through it and sometimes you might misclick it and oh what did i do i have to go backwards and everything takes time especially on mtgo which is like it's a chess clock so you're it's a different way of playing magic and everything that you can make your mechanical clicking faster i'm down for so that's why i don't use tri lands but i huh i i mean i guess but i i I strongly disagree with that (laughs) i guess i feel like i i I, but then again and i'm i'm someone that like has gone to time i just don't feel like it's oh i've gone to time too we've all gone to time before um i don't know yeah so that's just the difference of opinion i mean the I, I don't know how we'd prove one person was right, but oh, not really. Like it's a it's a preference, really. Speaking of which, uh, it won't matter next season because, uh, and this is again uh, going back to why rotation is amazing. I think this would be terrible if it was all the time, but um, and I, I said I was going to be wary of making like guesses about rotation, but it looks like this is going to be the first season where we have minimal like it doesn't look like we're going to have any tricolor lands or if if we do we'll only have like a couple like for the past like four seasons we've missed like a couple tri lands but we've always had like uh, a good base um this season uh or next season as of right now the only uh tri land or vivid that appears to be legal is uh what was it crumbling necropolis and savage lands and it's all like touch and go stuff <laughs> i mean you know all subject to change you know i'm not guaranteeing it but the point is like 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 uh i think i've made the case before that if you have eight tri lands uh there's a minimal disadvantage to going tricolor versus going uh dual color but without the tri lands i think you're gonna see vast like it, it vastly incentivizes you to go either dual color or mono color and that'll be that'll be a, a seismic shift in uh evaluation and like what cards and what decks can be built and i think that will be very interesting so i'm i'm always looking forward to that uh yeah i think like i think you're right because like with the the two most not popular doings but like auntie's hovel was like 
this like made a whole deck basically it made a goblin deck just actually good because the mana was actually not bad <laughs> like in the black red scheme of things slightly less terrible than yeah. normal but um but yeah lands are super important i will tell you a funny story about mechanical clicking of lands so it was a cube and um i was playing like a blue black controlless deck but i had um underground river which is um it adds a colorless or it adds a blue or black but it deals one damage to you so i was playing against like some sort of aggro deck and i was stabilizing but i also had an herborg tomb of yoggoth out which uh turns all your lands into swamps so mtgo and it's awesome quality i was at one life and when you have both an herborg and that ability that deals one damage to you sort of like making a mana it doesn't tell you which one's which so when i look with the i need i need to make black mana so when I went down, it was like add colorless or add blue, add black or add black. So I had a fifty-fifty shot of killing myself, and I absolutely killed myself. <laughs> one, right? Huh? So that, it should, I was at one. Because once you it should be the last one, because with the way it lists it, it should it should always add like it should be added in timestamp order. That, that's how I believe it works. Not that I'm saying. MTGO yeah. is the shining paragon of like good user design. I just I do think it's consistent about that. I hope I, I must have clicked wrong. Maybe I just clicked wrong, but like like I said, it was like a fifty fifty, and I whiffed and I lost because it because it was doing add mana. It's like it, it just adds it automatically. That one damage is like automatic. So the game sees you're at zero, you just die because you can't go back at that point. I just died Heck. instantly. <laughs> like thanks, great. So that's I don't know. That's, I'm not sure if that's the same now. Maybe they tell it to you differently, but this is this is still like version four, so and this was playing like two years ago, so maybe it's different. I don't know. I got off topic there. Um, so let's see. Oh yeah, we were talking about the Dominaria. So like the second half of rotation is actually the new set Dominaria. So Dominaria is going to drop. Yeah, Dominaria is going to drop. Um, like I said, in about two weeks, and then. We don't check Dominaria immediately. It's actually everything else but the new set. So about two weeks later, we'll do another check for just Dominaria. And the same uh, principle applies to uh, the week-long looking at, like, what's one cent, what's that one cent. So that'll happen. But nothing will, go, nothing will leave the format. Only things will come in from Dominaria. So that's pretty cool. I like, I, we, we added that system maybe, like, I think Season 3, I would say. Because people want to play with all the new toys. So... That's a lot of fun. That hasn't, that, that hasn't really like made like big splash. Do you, can you remember any times? Actually, I actually have one example. But do you have this, like, time, this season? It mattered because Evolving yeah. Wilds is was huge for this yeah. season. That's a good point. Evolving Wilds is pretty good. Um, the only other, uh, yeah, I think most times, um, it, this season was almost big because we were everyone. There was Evolving Wilds, and then it looked like we might get Negate, Duress, and Spell Pierce, but then we got none of them. Yeah, th that was super close. Um. I mean, I'm biased towards this pick, but I remember for um, our devastation, like Storm Intelligence got legal, and like I totally got made fun of because I thought that card would be really cool and really good. And they, I was Baker, I'll call him out. Baker was like, "No, you're wrong. That's not gonna a seven mana do nothing enchantment. It's not gonna do anything." And I totally proved him wrong, especially literally playing him in the finals of of some like he played Necro and I was playing that deck and I totally beat him. So I literally proved him wrong. It was really great. <laughs> Those were good times. Those were good times. <laughs> uh, that season, that season was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you were playing. Uh, you were playing the Devoid deck. The, fir the first iteration. No, that was the the that wasn't the Devoid deck. That was the first iteration of uh of the cruel the cruel ultimatum deck. Devoid deck was next season. Oh really? What? Oh, you just had. What did you do? I didn't. I was there just like a base. Oh, the Living Lore deck. You played Living yeah, Lore. Oh. Sweet. It's all get out. And speaking of cards, uh, I think you and Baker thought were terrible. That was the one that ran like need, two Need for Speeds. Oh yeah. So well, it could do like turn four, Cruel Ultimatum. You go. <laughs> also take seven damage. I know. Also. Yeah, just take seven, then take five. Gain, you gain five. It's just like discard your hand. It was great. Oh, and I get to do it again next turn. <laughs> yeah, because the living, the living lord sacrifices itself, and then the cruel tomato resolves, and you get the living lord back from cruel. Man, cruel tomato is like one of those like craziest cards to ever. Like once you cast a card, it just feels like. Have you ever, feels so good. <laughs> have you ever lost a game after you cast cruel tomato? I feel like you have. Have you ever really? Uh, yeah, I definitely have. Yeah. Um, it's not very common though. Um, Normally, like, I, I I think, like, uh, at the very least, I remember, like, Rofellus decks, like, you cast Cruel Ultimatum, and they sacrifice one creature, but they also have, like, a 10, they have, like, 10 power on board, because they did, like, a, a um, whatever, the, the a Woodbriar Elemental for, like, before, oh. and they're, like, so, I definitely have died after casting Cruel Ultimatum, but it doesn't happen very often. Right. I love that card, too. I played it more dirtily, type of fashion, yeah. How was oh, that coming out? Is that is that a one cent? We looked. I know you looked. It's two cents, so not oh. not super likely. But you know, you never know. Come on, come on, cruel to me. Get the work. I think um occasionally uh so when we're talking on the show here, we all use uh, Scryfall prices because Scryfall is like by far the easiest way to like keep track of uh, like large sets of cards, but um for the purpose of anyone listening, if you want like the actual information on the card using the same legality checker that'll be actually be used, um, use uh, the the bot. You can just whisper the bot and say uh, PR or exclamation point PR and then the card name and it'll give you the current price and uh, it, if it's been a penny, it'll give you like the period of time it's been a penny so if you say like pr cruel ultimatum it'll say it's two cents and then it'll say it was one cent for 23 percent of this season 50 percent of this month and 17 percent of this week or so on and so forth and you can use that as like to try and guess if the card will uh but uh the the reason why it's a little different is that um scryfall i believe only looks at um the non-foil versions and the bot um, checks like all the versions of the cards that are available on MTGO. Yeah, it's weird because like some foil prices are just like massively different from just uh, non-foil prices, especially on MTGO yeah. for whatever reason. I actually don't. Do you even know? Do you, do you have a I don't know if it's still true. The reason it used to be if is that a people don't aesthetically like them, and uh, b you can turn this off, but. Um, the uh, foil animation um, would cause like low end machines to crash and uh, like them. So the only like uh, generally um, foils for like redeemable sets will stay at like rough stay worth more than the non foils because people in paper still like the foils. So you they buy up the foils online to redeem. But like for legacy and modern and like 
non-redeemable stuff, no one online cares or wants foils. They tend to be like at the same price or lower. And uh, the explanation. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big foil guy in real life. How about you? Do you have a lot of foils? Do you have like? I don't really uh, play paper much at all. Oh. I have like I, the the only I have a friend uh, a group of friends that I draft with, and I just give them all the cards. And I uh, my my only actual paper purpose purchase for myself was uh, when I started way back in Scourge. I bought two like thousand card shoe boxes of bulk and made a bunch of decks with my friends and played around with those. So oh man. Um, I, I don't have enough like room for like paper stuff everywhere. That's why I play mostly online. Yeah, I have a big crate. I'm actually sitting next to it. Not a crate. I guess it's like a big like plastic box of like just magic cards. I haven't played I play used to play a lot of paper magic. I don't really play much lately. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just I have a bunch of cards. I have some foils. I think like I think my favorite foils, not that I like use them a lot, but the um, the Texas Lightning Bolt promos, the player rewards ones, those are so sweet. But I can't play them because they're warped. And you can, like you can clearly see, like, you can clearly cut to it. It's really terrible. But I just play like good old Lightning Bolts. Yeah. Alpha Lightning Bolts, clearly. No, actually, I think mine are just M10s. I don't have Alpha. I'm not a big like old card person. Like the only like I don't know. I I play like revised. I play revised basics. I just, those are like the oldest uh, looking cards I have, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a big like those alpha, beta, like bolts or whatever. But I play like ugly revised basics because I, I like the look of them. I don't know why. I just like whiteboard lands. So you get that tilt value out of your opponent. People hate it. I, I don't know why. It's just like, I actually, I, I find mismatch basics much more annoying than like whiteboard basics. Because it gives away more information when you look at someone's hand. Like they played like one looking forest and they still have the full art forest in their hand, so you kind of know what's going on there. Actually, by that, I, I the uh, not bothered enough to like actually go and buy the correct ones, but the only mismatched cards I have are um, the my Cabal Rituals are mismatched because they were like out of the the cheap version, so I bought like, or they I think they were like out of both versions at the time I was buying them, so I have like two from Torment and two from VMA, and it's just oh really sad to me. You just draft a bunch of VMA. That's all I did. I just played Storm in VMA. <laughs> I have a ton of Cabal Rituals. Anything else we need to talk about? I think that's it. I think we can just like wrap it up here. All right. All right. Um, so I guess uh, thanks for having me. Thank you to our sponsors. <laughs> Thank you to our wonderful dev team. Oh, we don't have sponsors. No, no, no. I meant, I meant, I didn't. Uh, mean Sorry, I didn't mean the sponsors to pay you. I meant the sponsors, uh, MTGO Traders and uh, Card Hoarder, that uh, help like maintain the community and provide wonderful prizes. And uh, thank you to our community, and thank you to the listener, because uh, you know we do this with the hope that uh, you get some value out of it, and uh, we appreciate your your viewership. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't have sponsors. If you want to sponsor me, please. But uh, you could just subscribe to my Twitch. Uh, twitch.cv slash underscore mecha stream sporadically I guess but I, stream, I do stream the tournaments uh, youtube.com slash uh, Becca. Um and the SoundCloud here soundcloud.com slash underscore mecha all the links will be in the show notes but uh, yeah thanks guys for watching thank you Brian Moss thanks for talking and um, I don't know I guess the next time we'll be knee deep in Dominaria and we'll talk about like I guess our whole new brews and 
what's been we're working gonna a, we're gonna do a rotation night like uh the are we gonna do a rotation night like stream part that won't be part of the podcast but if you if you want to hear from us we'll probably be uh up you know at least for us east coasters around midnight yeah um in two weeks yeah two yeah. weeks well three like, well it's three a.m for us it would be 3 a.m for us because it goes off uh, pacific time well, I, I won't be up until then, but I'll be up, you know, up from like midnight to two or whatever, and then I'll, I'll probably crash. Yeah. But you're, you're still going to do like a viewing party for that, right? I guess, yeah. Like he's talking about um, every every season, we do a, just a midnight stream of just like it's like kind of waiting for the ball to drop in like New Year's Eve, where it's like we're just waiting for like I guess like midnight or whenever the set is, whatever the, the legality set is finished. And we just kind of like hang out, have a good time. But yeah, I probably do that. Yeah. So after uh, you uh, go listen to the, um, you go subscribe to Jay Mecca's uh, Twitch account with your free Prime subscription, then you'll get a notification of when he goes live for the uh, the stream for the rotation. It'll be great. Not the smoothest shilling, but good enough. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> Professional shill. I have to, I have to oh. work on it. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's some. There's a lot of times in shillings. Anyways, shilling along here. We'll just uh, subscribe to the Twitch. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much.